You're listening to the Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast. Stories of faith, love, life, loss, and eternity. Welcome to Sparrows and Wildflowers, episode 17. Today's episode is a conversation with Angeline Santos. Just a trigger warning for listeners, this episode does contain some themes of sexual abuse, so if that is an issue for you, you may want to keep that in mind. Angeline speaks about moving to Australia at age six. She speaks about going through Catholicism, being a Jehovah's Witness, and eventually ending up in the Pentecostal church, being baptized in all three. She speaks about her career path, working as a flight attendant in high-end retail and eventually for a Bible college. Angeline shares her thoughts and reflections on coming to Christianity as an adult and also on her journey of healing from sexual abuse. Here's my conversation with Angeline Santos. I grew up in the Philippines and uh, I came here to Australia at the age of six with both my parents and my younger brother. Great. And do you have many memories of the Philippines? The memories that I remember were riding on those uh, tricycles. The They're called like, you would say tuk-tuk in Thai, but it's actually similar. So those little tricycles I'd be riding in as a kid off to school and get dropped off and picked up. And they're quite fun. And the best memory also was just going along the street and having to eat food off the street as well. It's From cooked. like markets? Yeah, markets or just the neighbours. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's like a really small community, like a village area where they sell these sweets that were freshly made in front of you or even a meal if you just were down the road. Wow, that sounds really cool. Yeah. So was it a bit of a culture shock when you came to Australia? Not that I remember. It just felt like, wow, where am I? This this is a different place. Uh, I know that I'm not in the Philippines anymore because I do remember being in a a plane. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I was just so – it just felt like – such a big eye-opening for me and I wasn't so much shocked it was like I felt the freedom somehow wow yeah and what do you what do you think that freedom was I felt that freedom was more like yeah I'm free to live with a freedom of speech and uh you know grow up and have an amazing life in a new place and start fresh elsewhere. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And how did you find primary school? Primary school was actually a little challenging mm-hmm. at first because I never quite understood why I was always teased by the boys. Mm-hmm. They would always pick on me and I just never understood it. it was, I think it was around youth three and four when that was happening and I felt that oh you know I was getting the attention but then later on it just got a bit out of hand Mm. was it racially motivated do you think or just 
boys being boys. I felt it was more so boys being boys. Right. Because it was the majority of them from my grade and mm-hmm. they just always picked on me. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how about an early memory of God or of religion? Do you have one? Mm, not so much. It was mainly through pictures that my mom would show me of when I was being baptized as a baby mm-hmm. in a Catholic church. And uh, I would see, you know, figures of Mother Mary or Jesus on the cross and saints as well. I, I never understood why there are many little figurines of these images or idols. Mm. So that was my faint memory of God. Okay. And so you didn't understand it. Was it something you wanted to understand or it was pretty distant from you? I felt in the back of my mind I wanted to understand it. But, you know, being young, I was like, okay, that seemed quite normal to have that or see that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then high school, did high school improve for you? Oh, not so much because... We moved quite around a bit. Uh, okay. So after being uh, living in the northern beaches after we first moved from the Philippines, we went to the Central Coast. And I was, I believe I was 12, 13 years old. And we were there for quite a while, four to five years. So I moved from one high school to another. That high school, though... Um, quite a majority of actually let's say not many Asians around okay so in the central coast yeah in the central coast during that time and I felt really like isolated and not feeling you know accepted in a way because there wasn't many of us (laughs) yeah yeah and I do remember before graduating primary school in Wyong, um, one kid was calling me Chinese, and I'm like, "Do I really look Chinese to you? I've got really big eyes." <laughs> but um, obviously, being a kid, you yeah don't know too much. Um, so yeah, and then we moved to the west of Sydney uh, when I was in Year Ten, and wow, um, that must have been. A, a bit of a shift for you? It was quite a shift because I went into a uh, all-girls high school okay. out west and I it was totally a different um, experience because, you know, it was all girls and I was like, whoa, this is too much, you know, emotions and drama <laughs> going on. Oh, why? <laughs> and, yeah, I... I I do remember being quite a rebel back then as well at the age of 16, skipping class and um, being late to school as well. And, yeah, then we moved to – no, I was still in the West, but I moved high schools. So I finished year 11 and 12 at a Catholic high school. Okay. Yeah. And the thing was, that's quite odd – the picking on me now moved on to the girl side. Oh, no. <laughs> so the girls were picking on me. Oh. And then my only friends were guys. And then it just escalated even more. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. really tough. Mm. Yeah. And what about the 
academic side of it? Were you very studious? Uh, not so much. I didn't feel, you know, it was a passion for me, especially with maths. Mm-hmm. I don't crunch numbers. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm very open to, you know, the subjects of other languages, learning Japanese, learning French in high school. It was a big passion of mine. And subjects like geography so I feel that was really related to travel Mm -hmm. yeah okay and you went on to pursue travel yeah I did actually um my mom sort of planted in my mind hey why don't you become a flight attendant after you finish high school and I was like why flight attendant and she'd just tell me like it was her ambition ah and she'd tell me, hey, you know, you can travel the world, you can see other places, go for it. And yeah, after I finished high school, I pursued a career in hospitality. I worked in restaurants, in a hotel, and from there I became a flight attendant. Wow. So did that for three years and was really eye-opening. Yeah. In what way? Um, like I was telling you earlier, I wasn't culturally shocked. It was really an embrace for me of other cultures. Uh, There's a particular word that someone described to me um, saying that I'm interculturally sensitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm quite adaptable to the culture and, you know, to be able to adapt to the person in that culture and understand what they're like and how does it all work and how can I be, you know, able to attain that culture as well and use that in, like, many other places. Great. Mm. You would have met a lot of interesting people. Quite a lot, actually. I felt like each destination that um, we'd stay at felt like home. Yeah? Yeah, because I felt like a local as well, being going there um, often, um, back and forth as well and you know I'd always see the same people at the same restaurant that I'd hang out at and yeah or at a, a bar that we all the crew would go to yeah it just felt like another home for me wow and what countries were you visiting uh, mainly in Honolulu Hawaii Nice. In Thailand, Japan, Vietnam, Malaysia, and Singapore. Wow. So they were mainly the Southeast Asian countries, but all had different cultures. Yeah, right. Mm. And are there any memories or people that stand out from your time as a flight attendant? Uh, Japan was a great memory because they're really humble and quite hospitable people they make you feel so welcome like you know when I every time I land in Japan or every time I'm doing a duty on the flight to Japan the passengers would just remain seated and not be you know nagging or oh. complaining about anything that actually watched the safety demonstration <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like it would be translated in japanese as well mm. and they'd just be giggling and <laughs> but they're, they're really attentive and mm-hmm. quite respectful with um 
yeah, with people. Wow. So being in the country in Japan, you know, you, you see different parts of Japan, like in Osaka, you'd see amazing food and um, the, you know, the, what do you call it? Um, the openness of the city. Mm. And also in Tokyo, you'd see different parts of Tokyo, like Shinjuku and Roppongi, and it's just lights everywhere, or you're at another bar, or you're in a shopping district. And every time you'd walk into a store, you'd be greeted and so welcomed. And they're quite atten- attentive to you as well. Wow. So it sounds like you really loved it. What made you move on? I felt it wasn't a career path I was able to pursue mm. or move forward in. Okay. I just felt there was this burning passion for something else. Mm-hmm. You know, I did love the travel, the travel benefits as well. And I just didn't feel, you know, you can move elsewhere. Mm-hmm. The the hierarchy, that's what you call it there. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so I had to move forward mm. and leave that. <laughs> and was it challenging at all sort of being away from friends and family and community? Was it hard to establish yourself back home? It, it was. I mean, I was based in Sydney. You'd have eight days off a month, which is quite normal for a full-time job. But, you know, you come in and out of the country you come home and you don't even know what day it is because you're so exhausted from the previous uh, duties that you've done Mm. so you know i'd miss out on birthdays i'd miss out on some christmases or even new years but i just felt you know i was open to that it wasn't a big major thing for me Mm -hmm. yeah Okay. And so going back to your spiritual journey, you were part of the Jehovah's Witness during this time or in high school? Or? Um, before I became a flight attendant, I was actually active as a Jehovah's Witness. I became baptized as well. And I was quite exposed to the religion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Early on, uh, when we were back in the northern beaches, when we first moved to Australia, and I just, yeah, I, I just wondered why they kept coming back and knocking at our door. And, you know, my parents, my whole family just went to try, go to a kingdom hall and pretty much check it out and be a part of the Filipino community at the kingdom hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were baptised in the Jehovah's Witness? Yeah. Was that because it was something that resonated with you at the time? Um, To be honest with you, I felt that it was quite forced upon. Okay. You know, they'd question you like, oh, when are you going to get baptised? Because you're so into the reading of the, the, the materials and mm-hmm. the books and whatnot. Is it the Bible that you're reading or other literature? There was actually other literature that they have. They have the Awake magazine, the Watchtower magazine, and these other books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the materials that would explain more about, you know, the works of Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like I'd be so involved in um, not so much serving but 
they do sort of a a scenario when you're uh, door knocking at a home and how you would present the the word of God to people in their homes. And is that something you did, the door knocking? I did, yeah. I I, I was passionate about it, but um, I felt it was really, I don't know, like it wasn't really connecting with me how I would share my faith to that person, to the person at the door. So I just said, look, you know, I'm out. What age were you when you left? Um, yeah, so this was at the age of 19, I believe. Oh, okay. 19, 20. Yeah. Right. Mm. And what do you think it was that, like you said, you didn't quite connect with it? Mm, it was like my my perception of what they taught it was like why why do you need to bump up your hours mm-hmm. and you have to do this amount of hours to be a pioneer or um or you know if you do this many hours or works you would reach heaven mm-hmm. because there's apparently a particular a specific number of um, people that would get to heaven. So that's apparently 144,000. Okay. And I was like, why that amount? So I just felt like it was, yeah, a bit distant from me mm-hmm. and decided this wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So the idea of earning earning your place yeah. in heaven didn't seem not legitimate to you. Yeah, okay. Right. So then you did the career in hospitality. You went on to be a flight attendant. What was your next step? I pursued my passion in fashion. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, where else am I going to go next? What do I do? So I looked into fashion. Like a lot of people pointed out, oh, you have a really great styling sense and you pretty much create your own trend. Mm-hmm. And it's quite unique. Why don't you try it out? So I started in Zara when it first opened in Sydney and did that for about a year. And I then moved upwards to Gucci, which was a luxury boutique store. And then after that, I went on to Christian Dior. Right. Yeah. Wow. And how did you find the world of high-end fashion oh like at first it felt like wow you know i'm surrounded with these amazing luxurious items these handbags these shoes you know it's so expensive and like after that i felt you know is this what it's all about why do people spend this amount of money on just the material thing and yeah i just lost that sense i I just felt there was something else there was more passion that you know i wanted to pursue and i still didn't know what that was okay it was like is this really it you know is fashion really the career i want to pursue so it wasn't really fulfilling for you no okay how long were you in that space um so i started in 2011 up to 2013 so about three two three, two and a half years three years right okay yeah. so you gave it a good shot yeah <laughs> and 
where did you go from there? Well, after, during my time at Dior, Mm. I met a guy, so Mm -hmm. he's my ex. You know, during that time, I was actually on a holiday coming back from the Philippines. My brother asked me, oh, you know, come visit Canberra. Okay. Come check it out. Let's go clubbing. Clubbing in Canberra. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, why clubbing in Canberra? Yeah, okay, whatever. I've never been to Canberra. I might as well check it out. Yeah. So, yeah, I met up with my brother at the club. And next thing you know, I met this boy and got along really well. And so he started talking about church in the duration of, you know, our we got the the fresh start of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And when he mentioned church, I was thinking, oh, can I come check it out with you? So, so you wanted yeah. to go to church? Yes. Yeah, so Why do you think that was? I just felt, you know, oh, okay, this guy shares a faith. I also share a faith. Okay, so... Yeah. You'd come up through the Catholic Church and then through being a Jehovah's Witness, mm. but you you felt like you had a faith? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like a Christian faith or just a general faith? It was more so a general faith. Uh-huh. I couldn't quite connect to where or who or what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just know there's God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. but prior to meeting the boy, I just thought for a moment, you know, is this really what life is about? What is the purpose of doing life? And I, th- you know, I, I believe I was praying to God. I just didn't know who. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, like after meeting my ex-boyfriend, we, you know, the story just unfolded from there of becoming a saved Christian. Right. Yeah. And can you talk a bit about what that journey looked like? Yeah, uh, it it started visiting his church at Canberra and, you know, my first impression was like, why are there people greeting at the doors? This is pretty odd, but okay, cool. And I always perceived church as a building, you know, with the cross at the the front of the building and, and, you know, the pews. So when I walked in, I was thinking, this is different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what denomination of church was this it? This is a Pentecostal church. Pentecostal, okay. Yeah. yeah, and, like, people just look like normal people. <laughs> 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 they weren't all dressed up or, you know, looking flashy. And it didn't feel like anyone was judging you. Mm-hmm. You just felt... Is that welcome. something you'd felt in the past in religious context? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Mm. Okay. Okay. And at what point did you decide that, no, this is what I believe, you know, that yeah. Jesus is what you believed? It's, it was the point of when he moved, my ex-boyfriend moved to Sydney to study. You know, his dad, who was a minister before, knew of the pastor at this church in Chatswood. Mm-hmm. And so we went to check it out and made it the home church. And as soon as I entered that church, I just felt this vibe. This, it was really uncanny. I just felt like, whoa, <laughs> where am I? This feels like I'm planted here. My feet are here. I'm here. And after a few, a couple of the messages from the senior pastor at that church, 
you know, the messages he shared, I felt this sense of like this presence. It just felt so real. Uh, he was talking about a message of um, finding yourself in the storm, going through the storm and coming out of it. And also another message which really, you know, took my point in, yeah, I totally believe in Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior. It was that moment of finding your faith at the finish line. You know, I, I don't want to finish my life without knowing who Christ is, without knowing what he's done at the cross for me and knowing that I can have and share a relationship with him. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's really exciting. And so... After you became a Christian, did life look quite different for you? Oh, goodness, yes. Okay. <laughs> it was so uh, an amazing and breathtaking experience. At the start of being saved, I felt this embrace for a few weeks, you know, saying to me and that, that feeling of, you know, you're safe. You, you don't need to worry anymore um you're in my arms and i've always had my eye on you wow yeah wow very exciting mm. and were there journeys of healing or changes for you that you went through yeah you know during the time of of the start of my journey as a christian i felt so much conviction and people perceive conviction as something quite negative but it's actually a good conviction where there's something better at the end mm. um, on the other side of that and how would you def define conviction like uh, con is conviction is for me in in my perspective a nudge mm -hmm. like someone telling you hey you know, don't go there because this will happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, something will benefit you if you do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a bit of guidance. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of a pull in the, yeah. the right direction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. During the time of my journey, the relationship with my ex was quite rocky because I always felt like this tap on the shoulder is like, hey, you know, this relationship isn't right because your journey with God is much brighter. There's so much more potential in your future for, you know, it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he has plans for us which are not evil but of to give you a future and a hope. Mm -hmm. And I always, you know, abide by that. And it was difficult because, you know, I felt so comfortable with this guy and I thought he was the one because he's a Christian. And no, I really saw it in rose-colored glasses. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to see it as perfect, this relationship. But I just felt like there was a ball and chain that I was carrying along with me, just dragging and this heavy burden uh during that time and yeah it just came to a point where it just went downhill with him and after that i felt i was in the stages of the depression and 
anxiety and oh okay yeah it opened up a, a new um, perspective for me to move forward wow mm. so you moved into a bit of depression post the end of that relationship yeah mm. okay mm. and how did you get through that um had a lot of support from the friends from the church and especially from from his father as well he was helping me through by you know reading devotions and encouraging me in prayer and encouraging me to speak to my young adult pastors you know so that's what got me through wow yeah Wow, that's an incredible journey. Well, it was. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it even got more tough uh, to the extent where it opened up part of my life where I kept hidden. Okay. Something that I kept secret, something that I was ashamed of, which was the uh, sexual abuse that had happened to me at the age of 12 by a close person. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's incredibly tough. Yeah. So I just felt this conviction uh, to bring it out into the light, to finally let it out there be resolved so I can process and pursue healing. Yeah. Wow. So it opened up from your childhood, this abuse. Yeah. How how did how did that process of healing happen for you? Oh my goodness, it was it's it's like surgery. Mm. You know, you need to remove that infection. Yeah. To be able to heal more more properly and to recover um in in life and you know, so you can finally see how amazing um you know, what God has for for you in the future. Yeah, right. Mm. And which, is there any advice you give to people who've been through something similar? Yeah, I would really encourage anyone out there who's experienced the same thing to, you know, not keep it hidden because it's, it's a feeling of being pinned down. It's a feeling of something that's always going to, not so much haunt you but it's a burden that you're just going to keep carrying if you're not going to unpack it how are you able to pursue all that life has for you you know it's it's a step to be brave it's some it's courageousness as well and you know sharing that story with people will also encourage others who are in the same you know um story you know one in three girls have experienced abuse or of somewhat mm. similar thing and the girl next to you in your office is possibly a, a victim the the girl that you know at gym would be a possible victim mm. so it's it's fine to share the vulnerability it's nothing to be ashamed of it's you know the shame is the secrets the silence and the judgment that you feel and we're not born to feel that way it's actually to pursue what's best for you mm. yeah beautiful and for those who haven't been through it but but like you say it's unfortunately 
common. Mm. For those who haven't been through it, how can they how can they bless and support people who have? Yeah, you know, it's it's a matter of having that empathy. Mm-hmm. It's not about yeah, I know how you feel. <laughs> That's not the right thing to say. And also, please don't ever say that it's past. It's actually something that's really, you know, struck that victim. So it scarred them for life. Mm. And, you know, to say that it's not helpful at all. We're in the process of healing and recovery. And um, I would highly encourage those that support those people to do life with them. with genuine love and speak in love and truth not so much judgmental as well great Mm. and i'm interested as well because um people who might not have their own faith might look at at a situation like yours and say how did your faith help you because you know what why did god let something so awful happen to you you Mm. know but for you God has really helped you through it. Can you can you talk about that and, and if it's challenged your faith at all? Yeah, well, it has challenged me in this journey because it's like, oh, I don't want to go through it. This is yeah. so painful. Mm. But to be honest, it's it's just, you know, unpacking one thing after the other and your load just seems even lighter each and every day Mm. when you keep pursuing the truth that God has for you, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you are made in his image and that you are a daughter in him through Christ. And one of the scriptures that really resonates well with me in that particular journey where I thought, you know, where was he? Where was God? Where was he in all this? Uh, it was. It's in Genesis 50 verse 20 where, you know, the story of Joseph, he was put into slavery, sold into slavery. Mm. And throughout those years when Joseph was prisoned and blamed for by Potiphar's wife of committing an affair and being put into um, jail, mm. he never gave up. Yeah. He, he always had the faith and trust in God. And, you know, and look where he was. He was pretty much a prime minister of Egypt, you know, being alongside the king of Egypt. And he became a prince, or he is prince of Egypt back then. And so when he finally faced his brothers brothers during that time of um, famine, his brothers didn't recognize him. Mm -hmm. And for that time he could have chosen to take revenge and not provide any food but instead he gave gave them food he was showing them love and in that verse genesis 50 verse 20 you know when he finally approached them and said it's me it's joseph he says as for you you meant evil against me but god meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Wow. So I feel that really resonates well because, you know, sharing this story, sharing my vulnerability, and those I encourage you to share it as well, 
that God will bring it out for good because it's going to benefit others out there and encourage other women or even men out there um, to stand shoulder to shoulder and empower one another because we're made for community. We're not meant to war against each other. Wow, it's really brave and you're very inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. And um, you mentioned a few verses there. And I love your theme about God will take what's been done for evil and turn it for good. Uh, is is there another verse or is one of those kind of the verse that's been really special in your life? I've always lived by Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans that are not of evil, to give you hope and a future. Great. And that constantly keeps me going throughout life because you know each and every day is made new you may be crying or mourning in the evening but the next day it's a new day because christ god has got set plans for you yeah beautiful and so in terms of your journey and the plans for your life you now moved into a a different career yes, space. Yes. So after the whole, the breakup and the revealing of the sexual abuse, I just felt so empowered, you know, with my leading in the church as well. I was leading young women in a connect group and also at youth. So I felt the pursuit of um, going into Bible college. So that was at Alpha Cruces College. I studied a diploma of leadership in church work. And during that time, so this was last year, I was also interning at the church. So during that season, it was a lot of uh, development in the foundation of God, of knowing where I'm rooted in Christ and you know, to develop all that he has for me, all the potential that he wants me to nurture. Great. And now you've finished your studies? Yes. And you're working at the college? Yeah. So it was quite funny because I was thinking, should I keep pursuing further studies into the bachelor degree? Mm -hmm. Or should I just move on to a full-time role somewhere, work full-time? And I just put my faith and trust in God and I said, look, you know, this is, you know, I would like to apply for this job. This um, has come up. If it's in your plans, you know, I'm more than happy to keep pursuing that and work alongside you. Or if you want me to, you know, study full time, I'll keep doing it, even though I'm not a very studious student. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and you ended up in the job. Yeah. So. And I'm interested as well with um, with Christians who do s- s- theological study and for you now, although you're not studying, you're still in that environment. Mm. How, how did that impact on your personal faith? Uh, there was a particular subject in the course called Christian Worldview where mm. – and Christian ethics as well, tied alongside with it, it questioned my faith. Okay. Because it, it talked about, you know, um, do you 
in Pentecostal churches, Pentecostalism, mm. you have the gift of speaking tongues and, you know, the Holy Spirit it talks a lot about that. And I've never been exposed to something like that. And I was like, do I really believe that? Or is that something that I should just put aside? But I actually just embraced that, that thought and, you know, that really resonated well with being a Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of challenged it and you came out on the other side yeah. knowing more what you believed. Mm. Okay. Right. Very cool. And so are you able to sum up for us kind of what is, what is the core of, of what you believe? It is having a relationship with God and going through life with him. I wake up every single day and giving it to him, giving the day to him because, you know, I don't live as myself. Uh, It's actually living in Christ and I live by faith in him. And because I have submitted my life to him when I became saved and baptized, it is basically for him instead of for myself because that's what Jesus did he was going out there into the world into all places with his disciples and sharing the the good news and showing love and not judgment you know he even though he was sort of tested at that moment with the adulterous woman Mm. you know they were about to throw the stones but he said cast the first stone those who have not sinned and none of them threw a stone so yeah I truly believe it's about sharing that faith with love and truth beautiful and for you what are your hopes and dreams for the future my hopes and dreams is to see each and every young woman out there or even the single moms or those who've experienced the same story as I have. Yeah, I want to see us all hand in hand and shoulder to shoulder, standing firm for what, you know, we believe in in us in ourselves that we are brave and courageous, we're fearfully and wonderfully made and you know, we can help one another and pick each other up off the ground rather than being judgmental and condemning on one another because, you know, like I said, we're created for community. Sparrows and Wildflowers is brought to you by Victory One Media and hosted by Rachel Simpson with artwork by Nicola Gibb.